Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. So excited, especially to talk about this particular topic about crafting your schedule intentionally today. It's going to be so good. Yes, we have so many great ideas for this. And this is like definitely the type of episode that kind of came up from really personal experience and also things that we just want to talk about with each other because we're curious. So um, before we dive in, let's do our intro question. So Esther, what are your top used emojis? All right, let me pull it up real quick because I feel I like can... this is such a personal question. Like this I feel is such almost a personal like scared question. to like share this with you guys. I'm like <laughs> kind of nervous. Like I'm about to click in and I'm like, what are they? Okay, this one actually, I knew this was going to be it. My first one is the white heart. I feel like I just Aww. add that to everything. I'm just I, like that makes sense for you. I get yeah, that. I just yeah. love. I want people to know that they're loved, and the white heart to me is just. I don't know why white, but I feel it's like, like maybe on brand it's for you. Yeah, yeah, it's on brand. I was doing the blue heart for a sec, but I'm like, the white is more like classic. And then (laughs) my second one, and I'm so like embarrassed about this kind of because I saw something on TikTok about it. It's the one where the eyes are like watering and like looking down in the, basically I use it as in like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. That's so cute. And then I saw something on TikTok that was talking about how like the type of emojis that millennials use and how they're actually used in Gen Z. And apparently which makes no sense to me. Gen Z says that that particular emoji means horny. I literally don't understand that. I I don't get it either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if there's any Gen Zs listening, please like let me know why it's horny and if I should actually stop using it. A DM group with me and Esther and then please message us with like insights because I'm confused. (laughs) Yeah. And part of me wants to be like up on culture, but I actually don't like, I'm just going to lose it for how I use it. Yeah, I I keep on having to look things up on Urban Dictionary and I'm like, should I didn't used to do this. Am I like old or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last one that I use is the sparkle. Oh, I love the sparkle. I actually use that a lot in Notion. And maybe that's the reason why I really like Notion is because I get to pick emojis for everything. And yeah. I just feel like it's I feel like it's cute. And like I think that there's something really I don't know. I like I like icons. I like efficient yeah. design. Whoever created like, emojis was genius because it's just such honestly, an easy yeah. way to communicate what you actually mean. Yeah. Oh, it's a funny story about emojis. Before I get into mine, I I was on a walk with my son this morning, and I had my AirPods in, and someone texted me like a thumbs up emoji, and I wasn't looking at my phone, and so my AirPods like paused my podcast, and then they said so-and-so sent you a thumbs up emoji. And I was like, what? I didn't know this was something that like happened. I, I was they so read it surprised. out to you. No, they like, it like read it to me. I bet it's a setting you can change or whatever. I maybe, I don't know where that came from, but I was like, huh, this is really cool. It's just funny that it was like a thumbs up emoji. That's <laughs> I don't hilarious. Know. What are your top used emojis? Okay, my top use emoji is the red heart, which I feel like is again, oh, kind of on that. brand. Yeah, Not you need your own heart that's the right color. 
Yeah. So it's just funny that like they're both hearts. Okay. So the second most frequently used one, I don't like understand why this is here, but it's like the really sad face, like not crying, but just like the face, the facial features are on like the very bottom part of the face. Oh yeah. And it's oh like, my gosh. That's so sad. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm like really a happy person and my life is pretty great. So I don't know. There's not Maybe some like you secret use it thing. Like- as in like, oh, bummer. or like, <laughs> I think that's kind of like what I use it for because I don't, I mean, like I use the like one with the streaming tiers and that's in my top, but it's not in like my top three. That one's good because it's like crying, crying. and also laughing. Yeah. I like that one, but also like kind of like, oh, that's so sweet. Like I'll do like the streaming tiers for that. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess I have a sad face, face on my recently used emojis. So the third one is a thumbs up. The fourth nice. one is the like exclamation point and the question mark, the red ones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you use that in like Notion or something like this is I, so important. I don't know. I don't think it like Notion updates it. Like, I don't know. But then I have the blue heart and the cake and the sparkles. And then I guess this is the last one that I'll share, but it's like uh, the girl that's like lifting her hands up and shrugging her shoulders. Yeah, like, you've whatever. talked about that one before. Yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned that that's my like neutral energy emoji. So I were you going on the top row or the one going down? How do you know which ones? Oh, are I, did the the, I did the top row. Okay, well, I kind of feel like these are relative because some of them are just ones that you most recently used. Oh, okay. Because like I, I used not, the unicorn one for my birthday post. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I never used the unicorn one. <laughs> well, I had a pajama oh, no. party and I had unicorn hats. They were oh, so my cute. Gosh. You are the coolest person ever. Like, how do I get to be your friend? That is amazing. When I am, can you I, are my like, friend. <laughs> I know. I know. If only you were here. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, those are, those are our emojis. So I'm curious to hear what your guys' emojis are. If you have like a weird one or if you feel brave enough to send a screenshot in the group. Yeah, do, or if you can explain what some of the wor- ones mean that we just don't really get. Like, I, I don't feel like we're that old. I yeah, I don't feel. I'm old. twenty. Well, I, I just I, turned twenty six. Like, uh, you're happy 20- birthday! <laughs> Thank you. You're twenty seven or twenty eight. I'm twenty seven. Yeah, so we're not old, but why do I feel so old when I don't know what emojis mean? I don't know. I try not to think about about death. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. We've talked about emojis for 10 minutes. Let's jump into the convo. Thank you for listening to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Before we jump into our conversation for today, we just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We couldn't do this without you. As we continue to look for better ways to support you and grow our community, we are so excited to announce we have officially launched our Patreon platform. Patreon is a great way to get exclusive experiences and special content with us and really just support us on a more personal level. The proceeds from Patreon will go towards the cost of keeping up the podcast so that we can continue doing this for you guys and putting out new episodes weekly. In addition, 5% of our proceeds will go to 1% for the Planet, a charity that supports the most urgent environmental issues of our time, a cause that Giselle was really passionate about. As a patron, you can access things like bonus monthly content, live quarterly Q&A calls, exclusive merch, you can contribute to an episode, and so much more. We also have a post-call chat where we talk about what's going on in our businesses and other juicy topics. So if you want to hear about that, become a $10 patron and then stick around right after the podcast. You can find us on patreon.com slash betterpodcast and choose the tier of support that best suits you. Thanks again for joining us and growing this community. 
So today we wanted to talk about crafting your schedule intentionally. And I kind of wanted to give a little bit more context around what I mean by this. I feel like when I first started out, like not even doing brand and web design, but just doing freelance design, I really came at it from the perspective of, I can't find a full-time job in my location because we were in a really small army town. Go back and probably listen to episode season one, episode one to hear more about my story. But I really was like, okay, well, I can't work at an office. So I guess I have to work from home. I didn't really know much or have resources around the fact that like that's actually a legitimate career, you know? And then COVID happened and everything. But I wanted to like model my workday around like the corporate workday because that's like everything that I remembered from my time working in magazines. It's all we know. There was like, it's all I knew, you know? And like, I mean, I did work retail in college and stuff like that, but like that was like hourly and it was different, you know? Where, whereas, you know, I didn't fully realize the power and the freedom that I had created for myself by owning a business and working from home. I didn't see that as a superpower. Mm-hmm. I saw it as something that held me back and didn't necessarily like like something that made me less legitimate, even like to clients, but then also to myself. Like I felt like I was this imposter who was like pretending to like get up and like go to work, quote unquote, when I was just like sitting down at my desk in my sweatpants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this journey that I've gone on, especially through motherhood, moves, different life stages with my business and you know, with my life and everything, like I feel like I've really grown into having this control over when I work, but also it's like it's like control, but not control, because I've allowed myself the flexibility to work when I feel like working and not work when I don't feel like working. And that's not something that you get when you work in the like traditional nine to five corporate environment. So I'm actually curious, Esther, before we, you know, ask a couple questions and dive into some of the bullet points that we've written out. I want to know like what your transition was like going from corporate to working from home. Like did you experience that as well? Like what what did that look like for you? This is such a hard conversation because I feel like I'm only a year and some into my business. Like I definitely do not have my stuff together right now. I feel like it's still, I'm experimenting and figuring out what works for me. But definitely when I left my corporate job, that was a nine to five job. And that's all I have known since I got into the industry. And even before that, when I did like side jobs in college, like it was nine to five. I mean, it was different because if you did it in between schedules, but I did work for a couple months, my last semester of college, because I didn't have any more classes. So I just worked at the university design studio and that was awesome. But yeah, it's, I feel like I just only had nine to five and that's the thing that I was used to. So when I started running my business, I was doing the nine to five and forcing myself like get up get doing stuff. And it did not last very long because I feel like I just started to realize like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to figure out what works best for me. I've mixed around with like, oh, do I want to do nine to five Monday through Thursday and then take Friday off? Or do I want to do like 10 to five? Like I still started out like trying to semi fit into it, but like be a little bit more lax about things. And then I've always had a lot of like mental health issues with myself. I mean, I guess issues is the wrong word. I just struggled with mental health a lot and being able to be productive. And when I started being more mindful about it, 
I realized that I have to focus around my energy levels. And it's been more recently that I've tried to be more in tune of that, like still recognizing where I need deadlines, but not having the typical nine to five and instead working around my energy. And maybe that is like, we had our conversation with Daniela too, about how to be very intentional and being a kind boss to yourself. And I feel like for me, that's something I'm learning a lot. So now I might work six hours during the day, but I might start at like 12 or I might start at three and work till eight. Or, I mean, I feel very blessed also. I don't have kids. I don't have like any set things that I have to do at certain times. And my husband works a nine to five, which is also very blessing because he can do the things that I don't want to do during the evening if I, if there needs to be something that happens, but it's hard to figure out what you really need. It's really hard. Uh, I'm so interested in this conversation. I it's know. Like, I'm like, I'm fangirling like our own podcast right now. I like want to listen back to this episode and, and get tips. But and actually, I do listen back to most of the episodes. Esther and I <laughs> were too. talking about, we were like, oh, wait, I, listen, I was listening to our episode today. And I'm like, wait, that is so weird. So thanks for listening, guys. But yeah, I think it's it's when you're given this like gift, and it is a gift of especially when you don't have kids, like this just really expansive amount of time. It's a blessing and a curse because you can get lost. And I mean, before I became a mom, like I definitely identify as workaholic. I'm an Enneagram three. So all my threes out there, I see you. Um, Wait, what Enneagram Mm -hmm. are you? Do you know? I'm an Enneagram two with a wing two. I think I'm a three wing two, actually. I actually need to go back. I knew that you'd be a good co-host. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> we live and breathe by the Enneagram. <laughs> I, just kidding. I don't really know that much about it, but actually, Me shout either. out to my friend Anna Kate's new business. It's at nine. I think it's at the nine hues on Instagram. It's an Enneagram-based business. They're coming out with some courses on using the Enneagram in your personal relationships and business. Um, and they're going to come out with some Enneagram merch. And there's just a lot of great content there. So go follow them. But I was looking at the Enneagram three, and it was like. They tend to be workaholics. And I'm like, oh mm. yeah, that's me. And I definitely feel like I still carried a lot of that into my life after I became a mom. And it caused a lot of like, just like, not like mental health, but like... It's like breakdown. I struggled. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I, I struggled a lot with time scarcity, which is not a term I invented, but a term I discovered for the feeling that I was feeling of like, like this panicky feeling when I was not able to get on my laptop because I was with yeah. my baby or whatever. And like, I, I don't want to feel that way. Like I want to work to live instead of live to work. I hope yeah. I said that right. Oh, and that's something that's so interesting because so many cultures aren't like that. I feel like it's a very Western mentality to work, no, live to work. Because we're all like independent and like becoming, making more money and blah, blah, blah. Something that I think about a lot is just how much pressure we put on ourselves of like, oh, I have to do this because like I'm running a business. So I have to like set boundaries and I, but also the boundaries are like, my boundaries are I have to work from nine to five. (laughs) I know. It's like when you have these like self-imposed things, you can't, like you don't give yourself the freedom and flexibility to make things look different. I mean, like, obviously like I do like having working around the same time every day, but I'm I'm kind of curious, like you mentioned um, when you were just talking a couple of minutes ago about your energy levels and kind of working with those. And I think that that's a talking point that I would love to discuss with you because I'm always looking for ways to not only like work within my energy levels, but like identify 
like how I'm feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of a hard thing that people don't stop to think about. It's like, okay, am I in the right headspace to work right now? Like, am I feeling inspired or creative? Like choosing the right task to fit your, the time of day and like how you're feeling. Like, I don't know. I would just love, mm-hmm. love to hear, hear more about that. This is a very hard topic because energy, we can often use it to say, oh, I'm feeling low energy, so I'm not going to work and just putting things off. So there is a there is a delicate, delicate line of figuring out where it's being unproductive versus actually damaging your health. One thing that I talk about with my therapist in terms of like work and life is just, she says, when you have something you're thinking about, sitting back and recognizing, is this harmful to me? Is it physically or mentally going to harm me? If working is going to harm you at the moment, by all means, put it off. But also energy, like as creatives, we live and breathe by like being inspired. Like actually putting out work needs to be inspiring. And it's really difficult to find that balance of being inspired and also just cranking out stuff because you do need to make a living and also hit deadlines. So I that I feel like that was a lot of rambling, but I guess my point is like to have a balance of getting things done and also being aware of when it's harmful to you and when you actually can't get things done. And that's a really difficult thing. I don't feel like I'm making any sense at all right now. You're making a lot of sense. I didn't want to interrupt your train of thought. Oh, no, okay. Like, I feel like my train of thought is just like, it is just freaking hard. No, to it's hard. It and I feel like like TLDR of this whole like topic is that like, it's going, A, it's going to look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And B, like, it's going to be hard. Oh, and then C, like something is going to go wrong and throw you off. Like, it's not a question of if, it's when. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're a parent or not, like something is going to pop up. Like you're sick, your spouse is sick, the there's workers banging on your bathroom and you can't focus like um, COVID shuts down your favorite coffee shop or whatever it is. And so like, that's why, like, I feel like this is something that people don't talk about often on social media where, because I feel like, I don't know, I don't necessarily show a ton of content on my stories to potential clients about me, like hanging out in the middle of the day or, you know, mm, like right. at the playground at whatever time, because like, I guess I have this insecurity about people seeing that and thinking like, oh, well, she obviously doesn't work very hard. Like, or she shouldn't be charging the prices that she's charging. And like, well, they don't know all the times that you do. Yeah, exactly. And, or if you have like a deadline coming up, but then you show like a picture of you, like hanging out with your kid or whatever, you know, like it just like makes me nervous to do that. But one thing that I wanted to kind of call out on myself was that like a lot of like my anxiety around my schedule and around having, and I'll share my schedule in a second. I think we both should. Yeah, like, let's do I mean, not like that we have, it's not, it, it looks different every day for me. Um, and I'm sure it does for you too, Esther, but like this like limiting belief of like the clients are sitting at their computer, like waiting for me to email them. Like I have that like never story are. in my head and that's like just not true. Even saying that out loud, I'm like, wait, they're not doing like I know my clients like very well. Like they are usually parents, they are business owners, they have their own clients that they're worrying about, you know, like nobody is sitting there waiting for me to email them back and most of the time I'm very clear about my 
response times and my business hours and when I'm available and when I'm not and how to communicate with me. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that should give me the permission to feel okay, like sharing that stuff on social and like, I mean, that's what close friends is for, you know, for designers, for me to share some like (laughs) BTS and just some like random stuff about my life. So if you are a designer and you're not on my close friends list, like you haven't seen my little green like circle on my Instagram stories, please shoot me a DM and say, I want to be added to close friends because I think Esther does one too. I just started doing it. And honestly, it's so refreshing because yeah, you like sometimes do procrastinate and people don't need to know that, right? Like that's just kind of how yeah, like I'm not gonna to make things go. I'm not gonna go on and be like, I'm feeling super uninspired today. How about you guys? Like I'm not yeah. gonna and like if you want to show that on your stories, like I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but like I'm just I have this like mental block around like I don't know. I, I consider myself actually kind of a private person. Like I actually don't share a ton of like my personal life on social media. Like I don't have a personal Instagram account. I have this app called Family Album, which is where like I upload all of the zillions of pictures of my son that I take for family. We don't share pictures of him on social media. Like I don't have a Facebook. I have like a Facebook account, but I use it for groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of this balance. And I feel like we could do a whole episode about yeah. like social media and like sharing your life and vulnerability hangovers when you go on stories oh and you're like, gosh, what is, is it real? Like, that's so real. I, yeah, when I heard that term, I was like, that's what I've been feeling. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I feel like there's a thing that is people pleasing and we often fall into it. I know I do. And Jen, I think you've talked about it a little bit before. Oh, for sure. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Oh my gosh, same. (laughs) I'm definitely working through. I should go to a people pleasing rehab or something. I know. We should make a support group. (laughs) When I first started my business, I felt like I was in people pleasing mode constantly. And I really, for all you listeners, I really don't wish this for you because it's so easy to fall into, especially when you're starting out. You want to like, pour your heart and soul into every single project that you do. And you want to have their clients be like raving about everything. And so there, by doing that, you spend your waking hours and at night just crafting everything to be perfect. So then you're not actually even sticking into the nine to five. You're going from like eight to eight or eight mm-hmm. to midnight. Even. midnight. I mean, I have done many a m- all-nighter and... It like is so energy draining, but also I felt like I had to just do so much for my clients because of this like need for perfection and need for them to see me as so skillful and that their money is going to a good place. But I think that it's it's been a long journey and I'm still definitely not quite there yet because I do still pull some late nights, but mm-hmm. figuring out that people aren't like you said, waiting up for everything. We don't have to be working late. We can if we intentionally structure our days to fit our lifestyle and fit like where our energy levels are going to be. I mean, some people do genuinely feel inspired at night. If you're one of those people, by all means, work from 8 p.m. till 3 a.m. I'm not going to stop you. Like, I think that that's something that you have to kind of work through. I mean... Even my old bosses would say like, yeah, I'm most inspired in the evening. So that's why you're not going to get much feedback or anything from me during the day. And like, that's kind of shitty. But also, you know, everybody just figures out what works best for them. Yes. I wish it was easier. I wish we could say like, yes, work nine to five. Right. Yeah. Or, or like you have to take every Friday off or whatever, you know, like that has been what's been working for me. And I feel like every single piece of advice I give on this episode is like, well, do whatever you want, (laughs) you know? And like, same with like, 
you know, with my, my one-to-one mentorship students, I mean, we've been having a wonderful time kind of with, with this first round of my students. And a lot of it is just like encouraging them that like they can craft their day. If we're talking about schedule, in mm-hmm. a way that works for them. Like I've done schedule workshops with my one-to-one mentorship clients and I've had feedback like, wow, I didn't, this was so permission giving. Like I didn't know I was like allowed to do this. Right. It's like, there's no rules, you know, like the only rule is that you get 24 hours in a day. That's yeah. it. Which sometimes I wish we had way more than oh, that. We're all you and me both. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, my my biggest piece of advice would be like, try things out. Mm-hmm. Try the nine to five, try the eight to 12, try the three to eight, like try figuring out, try your four hour day, like try taking off one day a week. I know it seems like a crazy social experiment and all of that, but like- My life is a crazy out. social experiment. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and my business too. I mean, <laughs> hope no clients are listening. I'm professional. Yeah, we probably. always just want to know stuff, but it's just not realistic. But yeah. Jen, what is your schedule like right now? Yeah, so um, things are a little bit crazy because I just moved, but I would love to share my ideal like weekly schedule. And I think that word weekly is an important thing to note. I switched from making daily to-do lists to making weekly to-do lists at the beginning of this year, and it was life-changing. I feel like I might have shared this on the podcast, so I won't get too in-depth with it, but... That really allowed me to have way more flexibility and not have like the pressure if like something didn't get done on a particular day. And I also wasn't having to move tasks or push them back except for at the end of every single week. So what I do currently is I am aiming for a four-hour work day and a four-day work week. I love that. If you had told me that like I was going to be attempting this like... A couple of years ago, like my workaholic self would have been like, oh, what do you even get done in four hours? You know, but any parent out there um, or anyone who has to have a like an intentionally shortened workday because they have other responsibilities in, in their life, not that people who don't have kids don't have other responsibilities, but like, you know, childcare ends at a certain time and I like have to leave my computer or else my baby will be alone and it's like dangerous. Yeah. So I was really experimenting with like, how can I get more efficient with my work and be okay with the fact that I'm not working during like quote unquote typical working hours? I feel like that is definitely something I'm working through with like not feeling like I need to be checking my email during typical working hours. I'm like, oh, nine to five, I have that in my head. But like I've been really trying to pull back from that. Leaving my phone in my office has been really helpful um, if, if you can swing mm-hmm. that. So typically a day would look like me waking up, hanging out with my baby, having breakfast with my husband and my baby, and then doing like a play date in the morning or going to the park or going on a walk. I've been getting up pretty early and doing yoga in the morning too, which has been really, really nice for my energy um, and just like my mental state. And then as soon as the baby goes to sleep uh, for his nap around noon, that's usually when I'll start working. His sitter gets here at one. We don't have a sitter anymore because we are moving in with family right now. But his sitter would get there at one. I would work from 12 to four. Sitter would leave at four. And then after that, I would either like cook dinner or just hang out with the baby. A lot of baby time (laughs) when they're young, you know. You need to soak it all in. Guys, I just want to say, like, I honestly very much look up to Jen because I've seen this even like in our chats where she's like, I'm getting out at five o'clock sharp. I'm leaving. And you actually do. Like yeah. maybe once or twice you act, you go over like two minutes, 
Yeah. But like you actually be, are intentional about when you pop off. And I think that that's really, really cool. And it's admiring for me to see that because it is easy to just kind of like let things go. But when you have responsibilities, you have a kid, like you have a life too. Yeah. Oh, that makes me happy because it's definitely something that I struggled with a lot when I became a mom. Um, I think one thing that helped me there was setting really clear expectations with whoever you're on the call with. Um, Like, hey, I have a hard stop at this time. You don't even need to tell them what it is. Maybe the hard stop is that you like want to get off the phone with them. (laughs) Maybe that's the hard stop. You know, maybe the hard stop is that your sitter is leaving. Sometimes I'll say like, hey, my sitter is leaving and people understand. Or maybe the hard stop is just like, I want to be done with work at five. Like sometimes like I don't necessarily need to leave at five, but I know that if I just stayed, I would just work for another 30 minutes or like talk for another 30 minutes. It's creating the actual set time so that your brain yeah. and your body knows. Yeah. Yeah. And my body too. Like, it's so good. Like my body recognizes yeah. when it's like 5 p.m. And like, I cannot focus on anything. <laughs> do you <laughs> tell four. your clients that this is what your schedule's like? Or do you kind of just like... Yeah. Do you, I yeah, do actually you think... I'm actually going on my website right now. I think I put it in my footer on my website. And I also tell them on their like initial like kickoff call. Okay, cool. I was wondering if you did that or if you were just like, yeah, yeah, I work whenever. And then you just only send the messages during that time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, business hours, Monday through Thursday, 11 to four. I will send emails at other times. One thing I wanted to make super, super clear about this is that that's like my ideal schedule. Does that happen ever? Like, no, like that is what I'm like getting towards. Like, do I work four hour days? Yes. Do I work after the baby goes to sleep at night? Yes. Do I know that he's going to drop his nap eventually? You know, like, yeah, I, I had a bunch of websites I was working on last week and I was pulling some late hours. I was working eight to 11 at the end of the day for like two or three days in a row. And I was like, this isn't normal. I think the important thing is to recognize what is your normal? Like what's your baseline? Because then you can deviate from it and then yeah. come back. I think when you don't have a baseline, that's when you start working until 2 a.m. And then you're like upset because you're tired and like there's nothing that like is bringing you back to what you actually want to be doing. So I think it can be a worthwhile exercise to sit down with yourself and you're like your notes on your phone or something and just write out an ideal day with the understanding that not every day is going to look like that. Yeah. I like the idea of a baseline. I feel like I have that, but I've never intentionally said this is my baseline. Yeah. But just to give a little bit of an overview of my schedule, because it is different than Jen's, I do try to... My baseline is I work every day from around 11 slash 12 until about 6. So I'm getting about that. 6 to 7 hours a day. What I like to do in the morning is get up around like 8 o'clock. I'm not a huge morning person. I have tried that and it's just not working for me. I'll get up around 8 o'clock. Um, I have a set things that I like to do. I make coffee. And then I write three things that I'm grateful for. I do an audio journal. So I use my notes app to journal instead of actually journaling. So cool. I love that. I love it. It's been so good. I actually started doing it since we started podcasting, which was like early December, because I was like, I like talking so much easier than writing things down. I know. I'm such a Voxer fan, guys. Yeah. So I do those things. And then I take a shower. I do a meditation either in the shower or right when I get out of the shower. Ooh, meditating in the shower. That's a hot take. I don't know why I've never tried that before. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, you guys. So there's this, I use the Insight Timer app and there's this one shower meditation. It's literally four in the shower. 
And she talks you through like as you're letting the water on your back and your shoulders and then like every single part of your body. And it's so cool. I do it probably once every three to four weeks. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah, I mean, I have like my little routine that I like to do before I start work. And like I said, like I, my ideal is 11 o'clock because I like to make sure I actually get through that whole routine. And then I go through my day. And it's not the same every day, like you said. Like That's my baseline. I want to work from 11 to 6 every day, but sometimes things come up. Sometimes I have appointments. Sometimes energy is just so drained that I end up working from like 3 to 8. And... Or like if my husband is working late or if he's going to hockey or if he's going to like do something with friends, then I'll like switch that around. Or if I'm going to do something with friends in the evening, then I'm like, okay, I actually got to start working at nine so that I can get off. But like I said earlier too, it just changes because sometimes I do procrastinate a little bit and then I end (laughs) up working like all night. So I don't know. I feel like all that to say I'm in a very experimental phase right now. I'm not quite like set. And I kind of like that a lot because I came into my business to be free from that regular, like I have to do what I have to do. And it's been really enjoyable, but it is hard, you guys. Yeah, I love that. That is so cool. I always am, I'm so interested in hearing about how other people do their days. Like I am a huge like family vlogger, like viewer, I guess on YouTube. Like I follow these like family vloggers and they just do like day in the life vlogs. And I like eat that up. Like I'm always so interested. Like, oh, look, they're doing their laundry. And my husband thinks I am literally insane. He's like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. I'm like, but look at their like cute laundry basket. Like, oh my gosh, where did they get that? There's an affiliate link. Amazing. (laughs) I feel like it's just, you see other people and then you want that. You think that'll be the best for you, but... At the end of the day, everybody is so different. Like your lifestyle yeah. is so different. I mean, I even sidebar, I like watch, I'm on clean TikTok. So I watch all these ladies who like clean their house religiously and they I have a love, schedule. I love that part <sighs> of TikTok. Oh, the car cleaning is really Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could watch it for ages and ages. And I got really into clean talk and I was like, oh, I'm going to create a cleaning schedule. So I like use one of the ladies' templates And then like adjusted it for myself. And I tried it for a week and I was like, I cannot do this much a day. That is insane. So I started doing like one thing a day just to make sure life feels like a little bit happier. But the pressure, man. I'm definitely the type of person that's like, I'm kind of like a -a whack-a-mole when it comes to like tasks around the house. Like if I see something, then I'll just like do it in the moment. And I get this like weird energy where I like have to like, like the like the washer finished and like the green light is on and then like I literally have to drop what I'm doing and go and like put it in the dryer or dishes or whatever. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm getting better about that because sometimes like I just don't like loading and unloading the dishwasher with a toddler moms out there like you understand because they want to help and bless their little hearts they just break everything. At least Ryder does. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this ties into like our a question about like what you do when things kind of just go awry, like when things don't go as planned because something always comes up. Kids are in the mix or like if you have a pet, pets are in the mix, your spouse or your siblings or like whatever. There's like a million different things. What do you do? Like, do you, how do you like not get stressed out about it? Well, the first, I was going to say spiral. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, Yeah, that's, 
That's like my knee-jerk re- reaction though. Like going to be transparent with you guys. My knee-jerk reaction is that when something doesn't go according to schedule or something kind of pops up out of nowhere, I start to like spiral and like get really anxious about like, oh, well, I said I was going to do this, this. Um, I think there's levels, you know, there's levels to any game, but like a minor inconvenience, like you're just late to your appointment and it is what it is. Like something major happens, like actually a great example was the army notified us that we were going to be moving with within a week. It was less than a week's notice. We knew that it was coming, but we just didn't know when. It could be months or weeks. And they were like, all right, get ready. Movers are coming. And so it was like, I had to book a flight last minute. I have two websites that are launching this week um, or soon. And I think my time as a military spouse has really helped me not spiral as often. So when mm. major things like that come up, that's when you pull out your email and you email the client. I didn't necessarily do that this time because I was not really packing and I just flew home with my baby and we're staying with family right now. So it's not like I'm like busy, but I mean a little bit busy, but like that's when you just email your client and you say, Hey, something came up, but we're going to have to put this, push this back. It happens. Like we are yeah. human beings, your clients are human beings. And if they're good clients, like they are going to understand. I've had clients do that with me where they're like, Hey, this huge thing just came up. I'm not going to be able to get you feedback on this day. I don't spiral or get mad at them. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, let's just set a new day and a new time, you know? Yeah. I would love to like expand a little bit on that because that's something that I struggled with a lot in previous months and I've gotten so much better. But I used to feel so bad about saying like, hey, this came up. I just, it's going to be like another day or two before you get to things or like, we just need to reschedule our call. I used to feel so like terrible that my client was going to hate me, that they are going to just quit, that they feel like this is not worth it anymore. Like she doesn't keep her deadline. She doesn't like stick to what she said. And that comes down to like this perfectionist mentality. And something I've been working on a lot is just being open to, yes, if they're a good client, they will respect that you have needs. And I actually started, I have a collection of, I think it's like three different templates that I'll drop in. So I don't have to think about it. So, cause sometimes it's like my energy is very low. I will say like, hey, I'm so sorry, but we have not been able to get to this quite yet. We would love to schedule a call for blank day instead. Does that work for you? Or let me know what your schedule looks like. Basically like that to be like, I don't have to think that hard about what this email is going to say. I know I have blank templates that are going to allow me to say what I need to say in a way that's polite and also informative and is not going to make sure that I'm like bending over backwards for everybody. I love that. I think just taking the pressure off of you to even like give them a reason why. Like when I realized like a couple years ago when you don't need to if you don't need to tell people why you can't do something. Like if someone invites you to something and you're not you don't want to go, like you can just say you're not available because you're not. You know, it's the same yeah. thing like with boundaries and bandwidth and and everything. So it's a skill for sure. Oh, it's something yeah. to like experiment with and see how you feel because the first time I said that, I was like so anxious until they responded to me. And now, like 20 times later, I don't even know if it's been, whatever it's been, I'm like, okay, I don't feel as bad at all. Yeah, and I think also, if they do have feelings about whatever delay there's been, like they might be disappointed. Like they might have feelings about it. And 
I think the important thing to know is that like their feelings don't have to be your feelings and you don't need to worry about their feelings because they're the ones that are in charge. It's like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm I'm in this because Ryder is becoming a toddler and having some big feelings. And like when he lays on the ground and pitches a fit, what I do is I stand there calmly. I tell him that it's okay. And I try to distract him um, and redirect his energy into something else. Or I will literally just wait until he's done and I'll calmly be there with him. And then we'll just move on to something else. But it's the same with clients, you know, like yeah. someone can have a really big emotional reaction to something, anything that's happened. If, they, if you send a concept and they don't like it, they can have a big emotional reaction. That reflects on them, first of all, but it also might be that there's something else going on in their life. And Again, this is like a whole other podcast topic, but like I'm trying to remind myself of that because I do find that I get a little nervous. I get nervous energy around disappointing my clients or having to push something back or something like, you know, something that's going to turn out differently than what we expected, especially in web design. I feel like it's always up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to know what you're, what you've done to make sure that your workload really works around your energy levels and your ideal schedule. Yeah, that's so good. I think this is something that I've really been thinking about a lot this year is my workload. So I decided at the beginning of the year to take on two clients a month. And the reason that this did not work out for me (laughs) is that I was just making sure I had two start dates every month. And I wasn't taking into account how long the project lasted. So mm-hmm. right now I'm working with three clients. There was a period of time a couple of weeks ago where I was working with four clients, one of them being a branding intensive, which like defeats the purpose of an intensive because I wasn't, you know, I still did the project and she was super happy, but like I was stressed out and I was working like overtime, you know, according to my ideal schedule. I recently shifted from two projects a month to two projects at a time. And so that is really forcing me to take a look at start dates and end dates on my proposals. I started putting end dates to my projects on the proposals for my own sanity to know when things are going to be wrapping up and for the client to know as well. I feel like that was something I was really scared of doing in the beginning because I was like, well, what if something goes awry? Like, what if something goes off track and I need more time? Like, what if I can't design it that quickly? But I feel like I'm confident in how quickly I'm able to design. And that's one of the reasons why I'm also able to do a four-hour workday is that I can design very quickly and make decisions really quickly in my business. Where I don't think a four-hour workday would have worked for me in the beginning. Like I needed to have like I needed to work a lot longer. Not to say that like if you are very experienced and you like to work long hours and that's bad or anything, but like Yeah, I feel like it just comes down to trying to figure out what's going to work for you because I mean similar to Jen, like I said, I also started going down to two clients a month. And it still also does sometimes roll over to where you have multiple. But I found that last year, this was my first year, I was trying to just get everybody in. And I would work with like four to five to even sometimes six clients a month. And some of them were small clients. Some of them were intensive. Some of them were longer. And it just really does burn you out. So I've started to schedule in only two clients a month. And I also raise my prices so that I can do that and not feel as nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And booking, not having as many bookings has been so good for me because like if you're doing less time, I'm also like you, I, I know that I can work quickly. So that's why I don't feel as bad when I like work, change up my schedule a little bit and things go like that. But 
it really does come down to figuring out what the workload is that's going to be the best. And I know that I physically cannot take more than two anymore. Yeah, I'm loving two is the magic number right now because again, raising your prices, that's the only way you can do that is if you are charging appropriately for the amount of money that you would like to be bringing in. I like to also book my projects a little bit in advance. I know I've seen some designers on social media and just talking to some, some people book out like six months in advance. Personally, that's not where I'm at right now. I usually book out like one to max two months in advance. And that's okay. That's That's where I'm at. Yeah. It's just like kind of where I'm at right now and that's okay. But I like having a little bit of a notice of what's coming in so I can try. (laughs) It doesn't always happen, but try to make sure clients are wrapped up by that point. Yeah. I like the one to two month advance booking. I'm not as much a fan of like booking further than that. I mean, if I had a client that was ready to give me a deposit, like I'm not going to turn them down, you know, and they were like willing to wait. I'm not at the point with with my studio right now where I'm really trying to scale that much. I really Mm -hmm. like keeping it small. And I think I've talked about this before, but just nimble and no full-time employees except myself. I I really, really like that a lot. Uh, It just feels very spacious to me, not a ton of pressure, but like when you were saying that, you know, it's been really good for you to work with fewer people at a time, it's been so good for me, but so hard. Like I was going to ask you, like when you raise your pricing, you are going to get more no's, right? Like, is that something that you're experiencing? Because that's definitely something oh that I'm gosh. going through right now. Where like, yes. I feel like everyone is saying no to me, and I keep on thinking, like, oh my gosh, like I'm charging too much. But like, that's a limiting belief, and I know that I'm not because I've successfully sold like these intensives and packages at these like higher rates, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, this person is willing to pay this. And that yeah. other person's not. And so that's okay. But it's just like hard hearing no. It is like really hard. hard. <laughs> it's hard hearing no. It's also hard saying no. You guys go back yeah. and listen to our episode a couple of weeks ago about saying no to clients. But mm-hmm. it is really hard because yeah, once I started saying to myself that I'm only going to take two people on, I would have to say, sorry, I don't have availability until a month from now. And a lot of people don't like to wait. I really don't know how people like book out like months and months in advance because I feel like the clients that I've had don't want to wait for even two months to start. Yeah, and I don't also want to subject Jen from like six months in the future to a project that I thought sounded fun now. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I just changed so much. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in six months. Like, I, I don't want to like lock that, that you in. Want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, maybe I do a pivot and then like, I'm like, booked out and locked down on these projects that people have made deposits on. And like, yeah, I can always refund a deposit, but that's no fun, right? Like, I yeah. don't know. I just, it, it it kind of like makes, starts making me feel anxious. And like, of course I'm like, oh, I'm feeling anxious about like having all these clients. That's not what I'm saying. But like, I don't like locking myself into something like really far in advance, I guess. Also, how do you like, if you book a client for August, what if you wanted to take a vacation in August, but you didn't yeah. know that until May? I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I, I mean, I know that like it does, it is different. It is different for everyone, but like that's just kind of like my approach right now to booking out. Cause sometimes people will say, oh, well, like you shouldn't book out. You should just hire people. And it's like, well, I'm actually not trying to scale right now. You know, it's like, yeah, it's I, stressful. Have, it, it creates yeah. a lot of like unnecessary things. And then I feel like if you are hiring out, your schedule would have to change because although you're not doing work, you have to communicate with people more. Mm -hmm. So then you do still need extra hours in the day. 
yeah, I, I, I kind of went through that last year a little bit, not like went through, but like I was trying out the agency model a bit last year where I was working with a lot of different contractors. I think at one point in my gusto, I had like 10 different contractors that like I was paying and like, yeah, my gross revenue was great last year, but also my expenses were through the roof. Mm-hmm. I really think that I can make the same amount of net income this year, working with fewer clients and having fewer business expenses and working fewer hours. That yeah. is my goal. Totally. And I would even say like for me last year, my gross revenue was great, but also my energy and burnout was high or my energy was low. My burnout was high. So it wasn't even worth it. You know, like I, I want to be able to hit the same revenue goals, but also take less and charge more. Yeah. I think that's like the theme I feel like for this year, a lot of designers are talking about this like spaciousness and this freedom. And that's definitely something that like I'm passionate about talking about it, guys. So that's why I was like, okay, we have to talk about schedule. But I feel mm-hmm. like uh, I could like talk about this forever, but we should probably jump into our inbox question. Yeah, do let's do it. Okay. So Natalia Babalici, I hope I pronounced your name right, asks, how do you attract higher paying clients? The golden question. Oh my gosh, this is like <laughs> such an intense question. Natalia, I thank know. you for asking this. This is I know. so... This is probably this like is... a top question that we get. Oh yeah. Because it's like important. It's an important question. <laughs> I remember asking this when I first started too. And I feel like sometimes I even still ask it. It's like, how do you get people to know the value? And I guess... Well, Jen, do you have something to say first before I say what I was going to say? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to throw in kind of this this concept that I learned from Mariah Cause from The Fearless CEO. She coaches business owners on creating a high-ticket group coaching programs. And I just went to one of her webinars. She's talking about this concept of marketing to your champagne client. And I think this is a really big key to positioning yourself to attract those higher paying clients. The champagne client to Mariah... And like all credit goes to Mariah for this and her her business because I did not invent this. But the key is that like the champagne client is kind of like your level 10 client, the people who are going to invest really high ticket in you, people who love you and are obsessed with you and couldn't imagine doing their project with anyone else. Mm. And those are the people that you should be marketing to because it positions yourself as the type of business that can serve that high level client. So what I mean by this is like a, a content example of marketing to a really high level champagne client it wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, you know, like, but three budget ways to get a logo created. You know, like when you're creating content for your brand or whatever, a better example to market to someone who is going to want to invest a higher price is how to know when to work with a custom brand identity designer or something like, or maybe they already know that. Like, I feel like that was a bad example, but like, whatever content for your top 
level client, you want to create content that like targets those people. And the, the great thing about this concept is that all of the clients that are on like the continuum level 10, all the way down to level one, the people who are just starting out and don't have a budget, they will want to work with you and pay your prices because you're positioning yourself as someone who works with those level 10 clients. The level one clients will see themselves as wanting to get to level 10. And so they will be more likely to see you as the type of expert that they would want to invest higher prices in. So I thought that was really cool. And so I wanted to share that with you guys. Full credit, again, goes to Mariah Cause at The Fearless CEO. Go follow her because she has amazing content around this type of thing. But it really comes down to positioning for sure. Yeah. And we'll link her stuff in the show notes as well. But that is such an interesting concept of putting out what you want to get back, right? It's really like the image that you have out there, the type of clients that you say you're going to work with. It's really people see the messaging and people see what you're putting and they're attracted to it. So living in that future, being the future person that you want to be, but being it now, even when it doesn't feel like you necessarily are there. I think a lot of times we get stuck in this imposter syndrome of like, I can't pretend, quote unquote, that I attract higher paying clients, but you can put into the world that you do because that's what's going to attract people as well. Yeah. And it's not like you're lying or anything on social media. Like It's really just like showing people the value that you provide them. And it's, I mean, and she says as well, like those champagne clients, they don't, they're not the loudest ones. They're not the ones always commenting on your stuff. They are probably following you right now and looking for an opportunity to find someone that's going to be the right fit for them. And so that is kind of like the mindset that I've been putting myself in when I am marketing on social media. And it's really been working. Like I had a sales call today with a potential client. I guess I'll have to update you guys if they decide to move forward that I just... They were like champagne of the champagne Mm. clients. Like I actually had a sales call today with a total champagne client. And they said that they were so impressed with my work on Instagram and like just the content that I had been sharing that they knew I was the designer that they wanted to work with. That is the type of positioning that helps you attract those higher and higher paying clients. Yes. I think it comes down to niching and figuring out that that's who you're really trying to target. This is an interesting question for me because personally, I've shifted my business a little bit to not be like, oh, I need the most high paying clients, but it really is how do I figure out who I want to, the type of people I want to work with. So I like yes. working with sustainable brands and people who are making a difference in the world, whether that's nonprofits or not. And I have found that some of those people as well are willing to pay high because they see you as an expert in that specific field. I was very shocked when a couple of weeks ago I did book a client who is a nonprofit and their price point was higher. It was higher than some of the people who I thought were going to be high, you know? And it really is being the expert in your respective area and showing that value of you know how to talk their talk. You know how to change their business and move the needle in a way that they aren't able to do on their own. Yeah, I think what you said about talking the talk is so important. Like understand whether you niche by industry or values or whatever, like using language in your sales calls and in your marketing that you hear from your potential clients. I think doing market research is a huge piece of this. DMing potential 
champagne clients and saying, Hey, like, mm-hmm. I would love to work with a business like yours. Um, I actually just redefined my position in the market to serve businesses in the XYZ space. Um, I would love to hear more from you about whether or not you've ever invested in a designer. And if you haven't, why not? You know, like, I, yeah. I know I've talked about that. I think go back to season two. I don't remember what episode it is, but there is an episode on creative ways to get clients. I talk about the little market research that I do in that episode. Um, and you'll, most people won't respond, which is fine, but then like you'll get some people who are super nice. You'll make an industry connection. I've gotten referrals from people that way. And you also hear them talk about their position or their view of your service. And they will say, Oh, well, I haven't invested in it because I don't really know if that's going to really impact my business. And so it's like, okay, there's a, there's a content opportunity right there. It's like, how does branding, like, like what type of ROI do you get from branding or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So that is just yeah. such a great way to inform yourself of like who you're actually trying to talk to and what they actually care about. Yeah, Natalia, if you have more questions, feel free to message either Jen or I or post in the group and we can just talk about it a little bit more too because I know this is a question that almost everybody has. Yeah, I have it every day. (laughs) (laughs) So, awesome. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Um, Let us know your thoughts on this episode. There are a couple listeners out there who will DM me every Tuesday and give me their thoughts and their feedback and say what was most helpful for them. Those are the DMs that I am obsessed with. I literally love hearing from you guys. It is so fun. So send a group DM to me and Esther. Yes, please. Okay, well, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.